Western Australia Our spirits in the land We help each other all the time This is Julie Matheson from the Western Australia Party and you are listening to Meet the Candidates for the WA State Election 2021. In this interview, I ask Michael O'Loughlin why he wants to contest the seat of agriculture and what's it like to work and live in the area. We cover topics in regional WA and how we can fix it. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Joey. It's great to have you as one of Western Australia's party's founding members, very important, and also a candidate in this state election. So, Michael, what's it been like? Um, what have you been doing during the COVID-19 lockdown? Well, during the past 12 months, essentially, of lockdown, I've been uh, a FIFO worker, so I've needed a good-to-go pass to uh, make my way to the airport to get in and out of home and work, working in the in the northwest. Um, and because of COVID, we've done extended time on site, so there hasn't been that much time at home. I've managed to catch up on a few DIY projects that were being somewhat neglected. And uh, my holidaying, as ever, has been throughout the Wheatbelt areas and mm. Western Australia in general. I th- I think the DIY, D- do-it-yourself projects have kept the economy alive and well in Western Australia. Bunnings is doing really well and so all the grocers. <laughs> it's Indeed. been really good for, for the economy. Who would have thought? Everybody thought it was going to be doom and gloom during lockdown, but uh, we've proven them all wrong. So Western Australia is an amazing place. And before I get into the hot topics, Michael, why did you join the West Australia Party? Well, Julie, you'd be... Uh You'd be aware that I first saw your campaign for GST and it grabbed my attention. And that was at a time when the whole of Western Australia was was waking up to the inadequacies of our GST funding. Um, since joining the party, I, I have found that the central views, the sensibilities, the just the general um, take on moving forward for Western Australia and not being controlled by Eastern states uh, oligarchs mm. has been a um, has been a mainstay of the party and it's really what's driven me forward, kept me engaged. Uh, it's been an amazing journey that we've been on this together, you as a founding member and, and me starting the party back in 2016. We have, you know, close to a 1,000 people that have joined the party now. It's, it's probably Western Australia's fastest growing party and we certainly are not the pop-up party. There are 19 parties connecting, you know, contesting this election and uh, it's very disappointing that these pop-up parties come along when Western Australia's future uh, requires good policy. I can't see any good policy coming from some of these pop-up parties. What about you? Well, uh, we know, of course, that the... uh the other majors are, are using support from these pop-up parties and, and Clive not being able to run as a, a party in himself. He's, his candidates are, have formed uh, some of the other minor areas and, and I worry a little bit about his influence. We have 
uh, Eastern States influence from Pauline Hanson, from the Liberal Party and the Labor Party and the Nationals all have various independents as well as the pop-up parties. So we know that our vote is going to be leaking out to those areas, but uh, nonetheless, I'm keeping my message out there and, and hopefully people recognise that uh, Western Australia Party is really maybe the fifth major party for Western Australia. Uh, Western Australia Party is the, the fifth major party in Western Australia. We came fifth in the number of people voting for us in the last federal election. That's uh, Western Australia parties that are registered with the WA Electoral Commission. And we want to continue to grow our voter base and our membership. And we're always seeking members with great ideas for policies and people that would like to be uh, you know, future candidates and, you know, you being a candidate of the West Australia Party is, is just, you know, it's really great to have somebody of your calibre doing this for, for the party. But, Michael, before we get into the topics of, um, of the election 2021, uh, there are a lot, but one of them has, has been a standout for me and that's your passion for fixing the Royalties for Regions program. You know, what have the major parties done to Royalties for Regions, which has turned a great policy into a financial disaster for some towns and communities? Well, sadly, Julia, both of the, uh, the current Labor government and the, the Liberal National Coalition before them have really mismanaged Royalties for Regions, which I see as a, a sister-type project to the GST, so that funding that should be going to a particular area is being uh, leaked out into pet projects for the people in, in uh, the powerful seats at the time and really needs to be brought out, brought to the fore and shown. Now, our current Labor government is, has, uh, in the 2018-19 budget, removed $300 million uh, for state debt from the royalties. For, well, it's 30%, Julie. Yeah, it's it's 30% from a capped program. And what, they, what they've what essentially said is that that's the country people helping to pay our debt. Now, the Consolidated Revenue Fund is where we pay down our state debt. Excellent. And the, the country people, if you can't see my air quotes, have already paid into the state consolidated funds through the payroll tax, through, through uh, land taxes and stamp duties. So the various the various taxes that we don't actually need if we were getting our proper share of GST, those taxes are already being paid by regional people. We are effectively being taxed a second time uh, just because the Labor government does not believe in royalties for regions. And the, sadly, the, the nationals who, who initiated what should be a great program for the whole of Western Australia, uh, sadly mismanaged the whole thing and the, the John Langlands report that uh, was released in 2018 showed uh, a great many inadequacies in uh, oversight, in planning, and uh, I have a plan to fix that. Yes, and your plan can be found on the West Australia Party website. It's a very good plan. Michael has done a lot of research into rules to use for regions. Uh, and Michael, you've had a lot of, you've had a, a business into, in the agriculture area. Tell me about your businesses and the work that you've done in agriculture to, to, to show why you are 
one of the best candidates for the seat of agriculture? Well, I've, I've spent half my working life in, well, more than half of my working life in the agricultural region as a, uh, a fisherman down in, out of, working predominantly out of Esperance, but across the southern coast, fishing for shark and uh, tuna. Uh, in those days, uh, polling tuna off the deck of a boat was the the uh, mainstay of how we went about catching bluefin tuna, which is now f predominantly farmed in South Australia, but also longlined. Uh, been uh, car mechanic in Esperance and Kalgoorlie. I've been uh, ranger for the Shire of Gingin and indeed senior ranger for the Shire of Gingin for five years. And I own the roadhouse, the BP Woburn Roadhouse, which is still doing a pretty good trade, uh, despite my having left, or perhaps <laughs> because of my left. Uh, for three years, for three years, I owned and ran BP. What was then BP Endeavour Roadhouse, and uh, so I have, I have a feel for country. I'm, I'm country at heart, and and uh, that's where I belong. Mm. You, you've certainly had the experience. You, you've got the experience, you've done the research, you know how the Royalties for Regions program works. It's a very important program and the, the state government, both Liberal and Labor and the Nationals, have really done a disservice to what is a very good policy for regional Western Australia. I, one of the other issues that you're campaigning on is um, ambulance ramping and how it affects uh, community volunteers. Tell us more about that, Michael. So this is a, an issue that was brought to my attention as I was getting around the region and uh, first brought to my attention in Mora, but further afield as well, uh, down the coast. And the ambulances in the smaller regional areas are run by and co-funded initially through local communities. They're volunteer-driven and uh, attended. So when an ambulance is, is taken from a community, uh, uh, say Three Springs, and to go down to Northam, which is a long enough travel in itself, when the ambulance then gets to Northam and finds that they're ramped, which means that they have to wait with the patient in the ambulance, sometimes for several hours, then That's our volunteers, long. not only are our volunteers kept away from their families and, and businesses and what they need to be doing at home, the ambulance itself is no longer in yeah. that community. So if we have a second person, we are now stretching our resources. So in order to, in order to fix that up, what we need to do is to improve the health facilities so that the ambulance, first up, doesn't have to travel those sort of distances. And secondly, if the if the uh, health campuses closer to home are able to take more beds, that relieves Northam, that relieves Geraldton. We can have uh, health campuses out on, on the coast closer to Durian. Major facilities can be built up in what is becoming a, a, uh, a much populated regional area uh, with the Indian Ocean Drive having gone through and the coastal communities out there are expanding and there is a fair bit of tourism. And I think it should not be lost on, on the metro people, the metro population. When you travel from the city and you head out to 
out of places in our glorious state. When you get there, if you trip down a hole, if you bang your head on a bedstead, if you hurt yourself, you need medical attention. You don't want to be parked up in, uh, put into an ambulance and parked up at a hospital hours and hours away from your family, which is already hours from home. Let's get the facilities in the wider mm. regions. And with volunteers. These are volunteers driving the ambulances. Well, you know, that's, that's just country. Regional people volunteer for, for many things. I, when I lived uh, in Woodridge and Jinjin Shire, I was a volunteer firefighter. Uh, later on, I was volunteer for five years at the Two Rock Sea Rescue and then Mandra Sea Rescue. So it's just an ingrained thing that country people do. We band together. I agree. But their generosity is being taken advantage of by a health system that's inadequate, that has plenty of funding, but is not being used in a proper way to fund our regional towns. We want more people living in regional towns, not less. We want more people holidaying in regional towns, not less. And the government is not addressing this crucial issue that sometimes people have accidents and they need medical attention and it's left to the volunteers to pick up the pieces. It's not good enough. Well, that's true. And, you know, most regional councils have difficulty attracting medical professionals as well. So when you, when you improve the facilities in your regional areas, that's when you improve the likelihood of, of getting doctors and nurses wanting to live in those centres. So let's get the basketball courts going. Let's have the community centres expanded. Let's make a health, health facility campus that doctors and nurses want to reside at, that they're proud to be part of. And to do that, we need to get not just royalties for regions funding, we, the whole consolidated revenue uh, health funding needs to be directed to more regional areas to get people out there. Mm. I mean, communities have taken these issues into their own hands. For example, they have used the council rates to raise funds to pay for doctors to live in their towns. They've provided housing for them. That is just so unfair. Everybody pays a Medicare levy and that Medicare levy comes to the state government and the state government is, is transferring the cost of health from its pocket into the pockets of the ratepayer. And that's really, really uh, a, a circumstances that the West Australia Party would like to solve. And we certainly want to do that through local government reform, which is one of our policies, uh, which affects many councils across Western Australia. Um, so, Michael, the other main issue is uh, food and agriculture is our place of food. Western Australia is naturally the food bowl of our state and our Asian neighbours. We have a pristine environment, clean air, clean water and fertile land, all necessary ingredients to be the food bowl of uh, this state. Is there any room for fracking in the seat of agriculture? Well, it turns out no. So uh, Lock the Gate community approached me six months or more ago, and, um, well, it turns out, no. The Lock the Gate community uh, approached me many months ago now, and so I've done a little research into fracking, and um, 
I am a man of science. Uh, I believe in climate change and I follow the climate change science and if I'm going to follow CSIRO's advice on climate, I need to follow it on fracking as well. And, and they're saying that fracking is not as bad as uh, the fear campaigns would, it, would it, uh, in, intimate. Nonetheless, it does mean that fracking is, fracking is a, a form of, of oil exploitation that requires vast tracts of land, unlike conventional areas where we just put down a hole and, and draw from uh, deep down. Fracking means a carpet bombing type effect across the fields, the paddocks uh, of vast areas of land to extract that same fossil fuel. We have enough fossil fuel already to I be agree. Up, that we can exploit through our conventional methods. Mm, we do. do not need to be taking up our food air producing areas. So put food before the furnaces. Let's not worry about fracking at the moment. It's, it's really not required. We have uh, renewable energy programs that we need to um, take into account as well. And I just think that as much as we can do many things at one time, we don't have to be doing everything all at the same time. I agree. I agree. And w it's a great opportunity to manage our resources over many generations. So at the moment, this generation is, is using the resources that we have, the ones that are easy tapped into. But, that, but fracking is something, as you say, which needs a large area, and those areas are our food manufacturing areas. So it's important to keep fracking out of, out of Western Australia in those food areas. Well, Juliet, we can frack elsewhere. The reason that we want to, or the, the oil companies want to frack our farmland is proximity to the existing gas pipeline. Yes. Right? So, so because we have accessible gas within reasonable transport pipeline distance, they want to frack the farmland. If they were to extend the pipeline further afield and, and start fracking where they're already mining in other areas then it's going to cost an initial several hundred million maybe. But that will soon be made up. I know when I pay for fuel at the Bowser, it seems to me like several hundred billion is going to be made up pretty darn quick. I only have to fill up a few times. <laughs> They're making a dollar or two more than I am. Yes, yeah, definitely. Speaking of uh, climate change and the West Australia Party has a very strong environmental policy on, uh, on making sure that we have the right environment for our businesses, the right environment for our wildlife and the right environment for our families to live in. But in the seat of agriculture, can a 200-year-old tree, can 200-year-old can trees coexist in agriculture in terms of attracting rain and protecting the soil from erosion and salinity and cooling the temperature. Is that possible to have 200-year-old trees in, in the seat of agriculture? Sure. We've had 200-year-old trees in the agricultural area for more than 200 years. <laughs> and what and locations? Farming what? around them. Yes. But they are, I, I understand mm. where you're going with that. Certainly clearing for farmland was... Uh, uh, an annihilation 
in the early years of the, well, I, the start I've of looked into this personally because uh, my family is farming, comes from farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were original farmers in Myling, yes. which is in your seat. Uh, I, my family were the original Swan Conley settlers and to, in 1829. So to prove that you were going to do something good for the Crown, you had to, and if you were allocated land, you had to improve it. So the definition of improving the land was to take every single tree and bit of native bush out of the area and turn it into the sweeping farmlands of England. That was the the goal of the first settlers when they came to Australia in the 1800s. Things have changed. We, We now have got the right science and we know that uh, we can do, uh, we can grow food with trees, and and trees are a good source of honey, believe it or not, because the bees love our native trees in Western Australia, and and those trees best survive when they are um, two hundred years or more, and they they give out the best pollen for the, our bees. So. There's an, there's an opportunity there, but it's certainly not for every area, but it's just a question worth asking, I suppose, well, for the seat of agriculture. As a ranger in the Shire of Gingin, I, I had to deal with several apiarists and um, we know that the blooms from various different trees make up the best honey. So yes. what, you, what you need is uh, tracts of forest that several hives can be placed into. Tree lines have been used and and there are a great many uh, farming practices that have been put into place over the last few decades since salinity became such a well-known problem. Salinity's been known about for many decades, Mm -hmm. but it, it really came to the fore in the last probably 40 to 50 years. Since then, Farming practices have improved immensely and there are water sustainability projects in place that have been initiated through farming federations, through uh, some government uh, programs as well, through uh, sheer experience. At the end of the day, trial and error has have brought about a whole lot of programs. The way that the land is tiered, the way that the water is captured, the way that the water is used sustainably. Farmers know how to do this and it is in the farmer's best interest to understand and, and in, indeed educate the public in general that they have an idea of what they're doing. The mistakes of the past have been recognised. They're being remediated and uh, they should be given every support to carry on through those programs. Yeah, 100%. Our farmers have just done an amazing job and uh, our, my family is still farming and they do everything possible to make sure that that good farming practices... Nothing wrong with getting your hands dirty, Julie. Uh, absolutely. Um, thank you, Michael. Is there anything else, any other major issue that you would like to cover before we close on this this podcast for today? I know that you've got a um, an event coming up where you're going to be have a stand. So tell us a bit about that event and how important it is to the community. So I'm I'm a first time candidate. It's my first election, and I I just thought I'd try something a little different. So rather than spending all of my time at uh, at a polling booth handing out leaflets or 
knocking on doors. I've uh, invested in a stand at the Wajan Woolarama. I know that there's going to be around 20,000 people passing through the gates over the two days. I want to see every one of you. Come to my stand and, and hit me up. Whatever questions you have, I'm more than happy to either answer on the spot or get the answers for you. I'll have uh, members from the Western Australia Party in attendance over the period, not there the whole time, uh, but my partner, Teresa, and I will be at the stand with other members of the group for the most part over the two days. If I'm not there, I may be taking a, a break just to see what else is going on. Or, um, there will be somebody there to take your questions. I welcome them. Yes, Michael. So those dates are... The dates are uh, the 4th and the 5th of March, the Wajan, sorry, the 5th and the 6th of March. I have to set up on the 4th. <laughs> the 5th and the 6th of March at, uh, in the town of Wajan, there will be plenty of parking. Entries are uh, $20 a head for most adults. And uh, the Wajan Woolarama has been go going for uh, for years and years. It's about 19, 20 years now that uh, we're into Woolarama. It is a great great event, showcasing some of the best that our farmers uh, in that wheat belt area can uh, put together for you. You'll enjoy yourself. You'll have a great day. There's going to be food. There's live entertainment, a rodeo, a great many, uh, a great many attractions, not the least of which will be the Western Australia stand in the Lifestyle Pavilion, stand number 329. So number 329, the West Australia Party will be there supporting our farmers and Michael's campaign to win the seat of agriculture. Thank you so much, Michael, for, for being uh, with us today. And thank you to our listeners. Um, we'd like you to visit our website, uh, thewestaustraliaparty.org.au, for more policy and candidate information and check your podcast app for more Meet the Candidates from the West Australia Party. My name's Julie Matheson. I'm the convener of the West Australia Party. Thank you for listening. Our spirits in the land, we help each other.